Hi everyone, I'm Jace. And I'm Yanling. Welcome to another episode of Freelance Creative Exchange where we talk about freelancing and the gig economy in Singapore and beyond. And today we have two very special guests with us, Haris and Ryan. Hi guys. Yay. Hey. <laughs> so um, Haris is actually has its voice on almost uh, most platforms, you know, from musical theatre to film, radio. You've even done emceeing yes. and performing in original uh, music stages. You have moved on to other things like digital yeah. marketing, copywriting, and now also finance, right? Yes, correct. And Ryan over here, um, you've been a freelancer for over 15 years. Yep. And uh, he has, has actually achieved what we call the super freelancer status. <laughs> what? Among us. I'm, I'm just old. <laughs> super old freelancer status. Super old freelancer. I take a look at the content that's going on, uh, mm. what people are reading on the internet. I try to come up with a content calendar plan based around that, what sort of articles we're going to come up with, how to jump on the news, a response to the news, uh, help to coordinate some teams of writers in getting out that content. Mm. And this is most of, of what I do for most of my clients these days. Mm. So it's a little bit different from the past when it would just be, here's the headline, right, and go and write it. So mm. it's a little bit more work now. Mm. Right. Uh, well, for myself, um, so there's a few things that I'm doing that I would consider freelance and something that is kind of like my full-time job, kind mm -hmm. of. So uh, recently, finance has been my full-time job. I'm an independent financial advisor. Um, and recently, I've done a lot of content online on um, like personal finance blogs, Q&As, mm -hmm. answering people's questions online of like 650 plus answers on like Seedly Q&A, oh. stuff like that. Um, so that's like the most recent stuff. Uh, but right before that, I just entered like like the business scene. Mm. Uh, you know, just graduated from my university, started doing digital, digital marketing, copywriting. And I'm actually very heavily um, involved in Facebook advertising. Mm. So um, a lot of my freelance work has actually been like Facebook ad audits, um, writing copy for for Facebook ads. Uh, I do a lot of consults with um, like Americans. Like, so there's this, uh, a lot of my work actually come out from Facebook groups. Mm. I'm very active on multiple mm. Facebook groups. Mm. Uh, there's one Facebook group called the Facebook Ad Buyers mm. and I'm quite active there. And so some people who are in my industry and they want some help, mm. they message me and I do like Skype consultations, stuff like that. Mm. So not a lot of local work for, for like the business part, mm. a lot of international work. That's and great. then recently I've done also with helping friends who have offices in Indonesia to, uh, you know, do audits over there to translate some things to write better stuff mm. for them. So that's like the most recent stuff. Right, yeah. right. Ryan, you have been a freelancer for the last 15 years. How do you actually uh, start this career, right? I mean, you know, back then, I think not very, not a lot of people are very familiar with this term called freelancers. Well, if I'm going to be extremely blunt, I guess the reason for being a freelancer was unemployability when <laughs> I first started. Uh, <clears throat> it, it wasn't that, that I, I couldn't get a, a regular job. I mean, that, that was fine, I could, but I didn't have the right kind of mindset for it. I, I didn't feel that I wanted to go and do the same thing every day mm. and I will be spending my time building up someone else's business mm. and then when I retire at 65 I mean, what, what have I got to show for it right so and because of that because that was always kind of at the back of my mind wherever I was working I just wasn't 
very satisfied with that. Mm. So it would have been hard to really put my passion into what I was doing. Mm. So I, I went off and I, I started to try to do my own thing. Uh, started by writing because partly because, you know, sometimes they pay for the trips, right? So mm. we paid holidays. That was all I could afford at, at that point, right? The original influencers. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and I started writing uh, little articles because that's what I did when I was a student. So that's mm. what I knew how to do. Um, so it just seemed natural for me to, to write articles as well. Mm. So for small magazines and so forth. I think the biggest one was Esquire. Mm. And, and that's how I started. I, I made... In the first year when I was truly freelance, I made $750 a month mm. for, the, for that whole first year. Um, but at the end of that first year, I still felt more satisfied <laughs> than, than like, you know, right. a regular job. And that's mm. when I knew that, uh, yeah, the, the fact that I'm making less, but I'm still really into it, mm. uh, that shows that this is something sustainable for me. Mm. Mm. So how about you, Harris? How do you get started on this whole financing uh, freelancing yeah. I would say yeah right so I, I tried the full time you know so I got my I got my degree and I was like let's do a 9 to 5 job let's let's see if this is something for me mm. uh, I don't like it you know I think the, the, the best thing about being a freelancer is that you choose your hours you know I want to wake up on a 10 o'clock you know on the week, week uh, on, on a weekday wake up 2 o'clock not really a problem right um, so I think that's that's one of the reasons why I, I tried the 9 to 5. I didn't like it because I didn't like reporting to a boss. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do from this time to this time. I feel I'm more productive sometimes at 2 a.m., you know? Yep. So, like, sleeping hours are very weird, by the way. Uh, but, you know, I get my work done. Yeah. I feel that, uh, you know, when I do get my work done, I also produce better because I didn't have to wake up 9 o'clock. I didn't have to, like... You know, my three coffees before I write a single word. So it, that just brought me into freelance. Okay, so after I quit a full-time job and I was like, yeah, but I need to replace the income, right? Mm -hmm. So I just then figured out what can I do, right? What, what can I do uh, to keep myself busy, to make sure that I can still make a living and, you know, pursue things that I maybe once thought was not possible, you know? Um, I did a lot of, like, stage work back in, like, poly days. Mm -hmm. Uh, secondary school days. I was in drama, musical theatre, directed my play. But after NS, you're like, there's no opportunity for that anymore. Mm. You know, it's difficult. And so it's only because I did freelance work and I didn't have a nine to five that I could then, okay, do you guys need a host? Do you, do you guys need vocals on, on this day? Um, anybody doing short films? You know, stuff like that. So I could then relive my passions, you know, and, and a lot of my friends, I saw, you know, the things that they love to do they couldn't do anymore, you know? And I was like, that's not what I want. So freelance was the only way. Yeah. yeah so I pursued it. So speaking of when you guys first started, you know, um, both like Ryan, you mentioned, you know, you were earning much lesser. And then for you, it was really an uncharted territory, <coughs> mm -hmm. just trying things out. Did you guys have a plan financially about, okay, <laughs> you know, I've, I, I'm going to give myself six months. I have savings for six months if, uh, you know, I eat instant noodles every day kind of thing. Or was it just, heck it, let's just try it. Yeah. I think regardless of what plan I had, I was eating instant noodles. <laughs> Today still? All, all the plans, all the plans. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there wasn't uh, a plan per se there was a sense of a need for a plan. Mm. Mm. But <laughs> whenever you, you try to put that plan into action, something comes along and derails it. 
you say you're going to save, you know, six months of your savings. Something comes along and then wipes out the amount that you saved so far. <laughs> this was always how it, it worked at, at that point. Something always came up to ruin the plan, whatever, whatever the plan was. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I guess uh, in, in the first few years, the first three or four years, I guess, uh, one of the... It was good and bad. The bad part was none of the plans really went into fruition uh, because I kept getting thrown by them. The good part was I learned something very important within those first few years, uh, which has uh, sustained me for a long time. Uh, the budgeting, the saving, the financial discipline is very important. Mm -hmm. It definitely is, okay? But before you do the budgeting and the savings and whatnot, you, you, your mindset shouldn't be such that when you need a certain amount of money, your first response is to immediately say, here's what I'm going to cut out of my life in order to have that much money. Mm -hmm. Your first response should be go out and try and find more work first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You grow your income first. That should be the priority. And then mm -hmm. as a last resort, then you start cutting things, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe that later on, even later on when things stabilized and I was more financially stable, I think it was maintaining that attitude whenever I felt like I needed money for something, I would go out and look for it first rather than go, let's save 50 bucks of this or that, right? Mm. Uh, I, I think that's a big part in what brought me forward financially. Mm. Do you think your finance knowledge helps in that sense, right? In terms of managing your own finances and then, you know, trying to grow your um, savings? Yeah, so again, I got lucky in that regard. I'm a very lucky guy. Uh, after after uh, writing for a lot of people in the finance industry, writing about loans, writing... You know, when you write like five, six hundred pages of this stuff, you really drill it into your brain. And you really know what you're talking about after a while. So in a sense, uh, in the process of working for these people, uh, some of whom were director level and so forth, mm -hmm. I, I, I think I, I, I was very lucky because I was getting free lessons from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I could ask all the questions that I wanted and, and they would answer, you know, it was part of free job, advice. Right? Yeah. 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 Part of the job. Subconscious <laughs> as well. Right? I mean, the question seems strangely related to my situation, but it's part of the job, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that was a definite big plus for me. That, that's where I learned most, mm. most of what I know, in fact. Mm. How about yourself, Haris? What was your six-month plan, if you had ever had it? I think for me, instead of like a plan, I had to, I had deadlines. You know, I had to tell myself... Okay, this is the set amount of time I got to, you know, put some pressure on myself to try and make it work. Yep. You know, because you can't just keep going on like, oh, this is not working, never mind, like, give me some more time. Mm. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Mm. Singapore doesn't allow you to work that way. <laughs> yes. You know, it's very fast-paced. Yeah. So I, I gave myself deadlines. I was like, okay, in three months, I need to have done this, this, this. Mm. If I have not, I have to like figure out, you know, what went wrong. Mm. Is it me? Is it a lack of knowledge? Is it a lack of resource? And I had to like keep tracking you know, my, my, my accomplishments along the way. Yep. Uh, it worked well enough to tell me that, you know, sometimes, okay, yeah, you suck here, move on. You know, but sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, look, you, you did this and this, let's pursue it further, mm. let's go deeper, mm. right? So I think I didn't really have like a, a long-term plan, just like really small, really short, you know, deadlines. And that pressure gave, and also because like, I have a long-term girlfriend and I was like, she pestered me, when are we going to get married? You know, when, when's the ring? So I was like, yeah, yeah, figure it out. And I was like, so these, you know, deadlines really needed me to like, sometimes slap me in the face. Now because, so there's that yeah. sense of urgency yeah, that was given to. to you. Yeah, I think freelancers, I mean, like freelance, if you, if because you don't have a boss. 
because you don't have like KPIs. Yeah. You know, you can get, you can slack, you can slack off, you can uh, be a little bit lazy sometimes, and that's the. It's very hard to get out of that. You know, so I think that that discipline was very important for me to mm. instill in myself. Yeah. yeah. So talking about your girlfriend, you know, and so how when you first graduated and then worked for a short period of time and then eventually become a freelancer, how does your family react to it? Are they supportive of your decisions? You know, how how you know? Yeah. How? Did I need to do any convincing? Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. No, my mom's actually pretty cool. Oh. You know, so uh, she supported me from young. Um, I think she never really saw me as a conventional nine to five worker. Mm. Uh, like she, act- so I I started entrepreneurship also when I was younger. It was because of my mother, mm. you know. So like I tell you guys a story. When I was ten years old, right? You go to Shengxiong and it's like M M&M and M minis in a triangle packet, yeah. right? And there were uh, like in one tub there were sixty, you know, six dollars mm. from mm. Shengxiong. So one is ten cents. Mm. My mom was like, "Go buy, go sell in school, twenty cents." <laughs> I made 100% profit and like every time I sold one, I buy two. I made like $300 in my three months as like a 10-year-old, you know? So, and like that was also when I learned like debit and credit. I had my own ledgers and stuff like that. So my mom has been really cool in pushing me towards that into go start a business into, you know, don't need to work for, for you know, in, in, a, in a company. Um, she wants a stable income for me, of course, you know, but she's like, you're just not like that, you know? And so... When I did quit my job and I wanted to do freelance, she's like, yeah, finally good. But <laughs> finally. figure it out, yeah. you know? So yeah. she's always pushing me to make sure that I do the best decisions. Mm. She's always pushing me to make sure that I know what I'm doing, that I can report to her. I'm like, yeah, this, 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 you know? And so she was cool about it. I didn't really need to come up with like a, you know, 36-page presentation to tell her that, mom, I'm going to quit my job. Don't freak out, you know? So well, she so was pretty okay Your mom was essentially your first boss. Uh, I think she Everybody's first boss <laughs> I think when I'm 60 She'll still be my first yeah. boss yeah. yeah So I think That was pretty cool So I had a good family Support system yeah, and, and for my girlfriend as well She's kind of similar to me mm. You know uh, So We we don't see ourselves Doing a 9 to 5 mm. Anytime soon mm. Yeah mm. How about Ryan? Were your family yeah, So I, well? I need a 37 page Alright <laughs> <laughs> No <laughs> Seriously Uh Actually, um, you know, both both my parents uh, have been in HR. Mm. So uh, one of the things about being in HR is that they they know how to look at someone and then go, this is where that person's strength is at. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and my dad knew uh, right off the bat that um, I was not built for uh, the, the kind of job where you mm. screw, screw nuts onto bolts, basically. Mm. We mm. kind of do that kind of thing every mm. day. So... He, he was uh, pretty accepting of it when... In fact, my, my dad and my mom have never once mm. ever like prodded me and go, hey, when are you going to get a job? They didn't, mm. just didn't say anything mm. uh, because they very cleverly didn't give me money and they knew that <laughs> I would need to get the money somehow. <laughs> so I, I guess they knew that that would kind of naturally uh, sort mm. of come about. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, um, they've, they've never intervened in it. Mm. Uh, if I needed help, I mean... The, the help is there in the sense that, you know, as a freelancer, it's very important to be able to be in a situation where when if you have zero money and mm. now things are really bad, at least you can go home, right? And yeah. there's food, right? Yeah. That's a big deal. That's mm. what helps you out at the start as a freelancer. Mm. So that was the support system uh, for which I'm really grateful because mm. some people have much less than that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my, my girlfriend's also a financial advisor, so she's essentially self-employed too. Before that, 
Mm. Uh, she was doing sales, mm. fiber optics and all that. So she's always been in the sales line. Uh, she she knows how it is. Yeah. Mm. Great. Good that you have great family support. Yeah. yeah. It's very important. Yeah, because when Creative Awards first started, <clears throat> we have clients who actually, you know, feel that negative, um, there's some negative connotation right to freelancing right they always feel that oh uh, you know is it that they cannot get employments and things like that so um and then as parents then some of them say oh you know i prefer you to have a stable job you know so that you can retire you know with with houses you need to buy your house you need to buy your car and, and things like that <coughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah about true. about four thousand dollars a month on median wage is the cutoff point once you bring back that amount people stop complaining <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's good advice. Yeah. They're not really complaining yeah. so much yeah. that you are a freelancer. They are <laughs> complaining about your perceived lack of security because yeah, some yeah. parents, they're also thinking, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to have to pay for your mortgage when you are like 42 years old. Yeah. That's yeah. what they're thinking. Yeah. So if you can kind of just show them, I mean, once you mm. persist and you have stable income and the mm. money comes in, mm. if they feel that you are secure, then mm. they, they will stop complaining about it mm. usually. So how long does it take you to reach a point where you actually can say that, okay, I my income has actually stable as a freelancer? How, how long does it take you? Uh, this is the point at which I am no longer counting how many pieces I put in my own taufuah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm standing there going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, fifty cents each, then yeah. I, <laughs> um, but in, in all seriousness, yes, you really do know when you stabilize because you will feel that change in your lifestyle. Mm. When you no longer need to sit down and think, I, I, I cannot take a cab there because it's you know four dollars more or something like that, right? Mm. <clears throat> On that level. Mm. <clears throat> when that tension of everyday costs are no longer there, mm. you you will know that it started to kind of stabilize a bit. Mm. Um, and now you can put a number on it. Of course, if mm. you have saved up six months of your expenses, mm. you're earning median wage, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You can put those numbers on it. Mm. But to me, the most real and accurate uh, identifier of when you are stable is when you're not waking up in the morning and freaking out because you don't know where your lunch is going to come from. And you, or you have bills to pay that you have no idea how you're going to pay. Mm. When you're no longer in that situation, you know, you'll feel it. You'll know. Mm. I remember those days. Mm. <laughs> 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 memories. No, no, one, no one ever forgets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to wake up nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So speaking of that, right, um, we have spoken to a lot of creatives, both in creatives at work as well as through this journey of our podcast. And generally, we are not very, the creatives are not very financially savvy. Mm. So what do you think, do you guys think personally of the creatives who you see or you know who are not, you know, aren't doing the best jobs mm -hmm. with their finances? I think even those that look like, you know, they've made it, mm. it's still variable income most of the time. Mm. You know, it's going to mm. be something that you're going to live with for a good portion of you know your freelancing career a lot of things will be variable and like one thing that a lot of people don't like if you're really thinking about jumping to freelance mm -hmm. right the one thing that we give up cpf mm. freelancers don't get cpf mm. you know you got to self-contribute 17 percent comes from your employer mm. so um it there is that part where you know you really need to, to think about it mm. you know even when you think you've made it you still got to keep doing it. Yeah. And for those that, you know, have not made it, who's still starting out, mm. try to get more consistent. Try to go back to your previous clients because you grow along the way, you know. There'll be people who, re who reject you, mm. you know. But 
never like, oh, I'm never going to speak to that guy again. Mm. Always go back. Mm. You know, I've already done this, this and this. You said no because of this, but that was a loss for you. Now here's my new reads, mm. you know, and now you should be getting me. So mm. I think that there will be a journey of ups and downs. There will be a journey of lows and highs, mm. you know, but it's the discipline that you need to build. It is the reliability of income that you need to build and you need to know what the trade-offs you make you know and like because i don't have cpf i need to make sure that i create my own cpf kind of thing yeah yeah sure i actually don't think um that creatives are inherently bad at finance Mm -hmm. i think anyone who is really into what they do if that thing is not finance tends to be bad at finance i have met brain surgeons, mathematicians, right, Mm. who are fully into what they do, who are absolutely terrible with financial management. It's not that they can't understand it. It's that their attention is elsewhere. They're focused on doing what they want to do. They don't want to sit around and talk about interest rates, you know. They want to talk about Fermat's theorem or what have you, just like an artist wants to talk Mm. about his use of zenithal lighting and Mm. so forth. Uh, they don't really want to sit down and then go like, oh, have you seen the fixed deposit home rates? You will be. It's just, it's just <laughs> not them, right? So it, it's not so much that they are bad at it inherently. Mm. It's by inclination they they choose to pay less attention to this aspect of their life. Mm. I honestly think freelancers would have would get better at finance mm. because you don't have a reliable stream of income. You have to figure it out. Mm. You know, like. Because like, wow, this month, okay, maybe $700, maybe next month, 1005 you know, they will be the ones who are trying to get the good deal. They will be the ones trying to maximize everything because of that no, no reliable income problem, mm. you know. So I think freelancers will slowly get better at it so than, than guys who are full-time because they never really need to worry as long as they don't get fired, mm. you know. Yeah. So the auntiness comes out yeah. of the freelancer. The budget, man. Yeah. But what are some of your advice, you know, to freelancers who are just starting out, you know, in terms of uh, managing their cash flow and finance? Like, how do they start, right, um, in terms of understanding this? Because I think a lot of freelancers, when they first started, they are also, you know, they, they are quite, they will, they will have to be focused on their craft because, you know, that's where they will get new clients and all this. But at the same time, because they are freelancers, they are individual, right? Then how, how do they then, you know, focus and put a bit more attention into managing their finances. I think it's the same for full-timers who are trying to mm. move Job into shit, freelancing huh? as mm. well. That is the main fear because like, you know, what you mentioned, they don't have to worry about something coming into the bank account every month. But if they choose to do, um, you know, be independent, then where's it going to come from? You know, that's that, that huge fear that stops a lot of people from from going into freelancing, you know, being independent? The most important thing, uh, or the thing that made a big change for me, was to stop planning your budget based around next month's income. Mm. You really need, as a freelancer, to plan how you're going to spend your money next month based on how much money you have now. It Mm. shouldn't be a case of, can I buy this thing for $300 or... I think it might be okay because client XYZ is going to pay me 1200 bucks next month. Mm. Right? Because <laughs> if you think that way, you're headed into trouble because mm. clients will pay you late. Clients may not pay you at all. Yeah. Right? Uh, <clears throat> and this is the number one reason why people end up having to take out loans, mm. uh, use credit where they can get it. Right? The most important thing really is you, you save up for a little while, have a little nest egg, and then from that point on, 
You plan how you're gonna spend your money next month mm. based on how much money you have this month. Don't don't worry about who's gonna well do worry about who's gonna pay you next <laughs> month. But it will not destroy your yeah, life yeah. if you know they, they end up mm. paying you late. Mm. Right. I think for me, um because I, I, I do talk a lot about finance online. Yes. A lot of the the advice that people give on finance has been for the um the full timers, right? Mm. Self employed have their own Issues altogether. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Don't look at the stuff that people write generally because that is built for somebody who has stable income. Um, a lot of times, like if you read my advice online, somehow you stumble upon it. Uh, I always repeat, six months of salary, six months of expenses, keep aside emergency cash. Mm. As a freelancer, hold more, way more. A year, a year and a half, if you can. You know, don't try and like chase high return. Just focus more on security. Focus more on being, you know, at least... If people don't pay me the next few months, I can at least survive, mm. you know? And it can be a long period of time. So, hold more cash. Um, and one thing that, that freelancers don't really get to abuse uh, recently would be like the recent uh, high savings accounts. You know, your DBS multipliers, your OCBC 360s, because you don't have that salary credit mm -hmm. that is like quite the big amount of the bonus interest. So, you need to look elsewhere as well. You know, but a lot of people will say, oh, get this, but you know that... It's not possible. So a lot of the, the online advice, you need to take it with a pinch of salt. You need to know that it may not have been written for you. So speak yeah. to other freelancers that have done it. You know, it's the only way we, we learn. Yeah. You know, we can only learn from people who have done it before. That's all knowledge in the world because somebody has figured it out. So you know? do you think that it's important for freelancers to also look into areas where they can grow their own passive income? I believe so, yes. Yeah. I think everybody should. Mm. Um, the thing about passive income is that uh, it's slow, right? It's not something that, okay, I'm going to next work for the next five years, build so much passive income that I never have to work again. Uh, that's not possible, you know, unless you bought Bitcoin like 2012, <laughs> you know? So I think that passive income is a great thing, but <coughs> active income is more important. Mm. Because as, freelancer, as, a, as a freelancer, you have the choice to make more income than anybody else. If you're stuck in a nine-to-five, Monday to Friday, you want to relax on Saturday and Sunday, you know? But as a freelancer, you can actually make more. So focus on active income. Passive income can come, good, build it, yes. But focus on expanding and like try to squeeze yourself dry as much as possible, especially when you're young, a little bit more energy, you know, when you're fresh. Uh, super freelancer here. <laughs> yeah, no, move one, more into passive <laughs> one, one, one big advantage of freelancing that people do not point out often enough is active income. If, mm. as a freelancer, you choose to work twice as hard, there's a good chance that you can make twice as much. Mm. If you are a regular employee, you work twice as hard, your boss tells you thank you, and then you get even more work. Okay? You're not going to get paid more. I mean, some companies you get paid more, but that's not the norm. So you want to take full advantage of the fact that as a freelancer, you can actually go out there, push harder, and actually see tangible results, right? Mm. So mm. take take full advantage of that. If you've got the bandwidth to push for more, mm. I mean, uh, go, go out and do that. It's, it's why gig economy is such a big thing nowadays. Mm. Gig economy is not because there's a lot of freelancers. It's mm. because a lot of full-timers just want to make more money. Mm. Like, what can yeah. I do on a weekend? Mm. I, I, you know, do grab food, for example. Yeah. You know, it's because they have realized that, hey, these freelancers guys got it figured out. <laughs> you know, they have so much time to do other things. You know, I think that you really need to exploit that. Um, sleep is for the week. 
<laughs> work 20 hours. I don't know. You know, but active income is something you need to focus on. Right, right. So, yeah. So, so we see a lot of energy in probably the 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 younger freelancers and all this, right? But if let's say you are like you know, right, and 15 years into it, right? Do you at any one point in time will feel like, oh, you know, this is just too much for me to take, or I'm just getting tired of the, you know? Do Do you ever got moment like? Oh that? yeah, for me that's a Tuesday. <laughs> Schedule. Yeah. Schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Four to six, get tired. <laughs> uh, I, I think <clears throat> there, there's there's like a little loop or a little mm. curve. Okay, um, this may be different for for other freelancers. I'm not sure, but I can tell mm. you how this works uh, for a writer. Uh, first, at the start, you get very frustrated and tired because you have to worry about. Things that you think are external to your writing, for example, mm. if it's online, how many views am I getting? How many shares am I liking? Mm. Right, and then it's an uphill curve because all these things are subtracting from your energy, and it's hard. It's getting harder and harder. But you cross a certain threshold, where suddenly you start getting obsessed with how many likes and shares that you, you get as well. Then that stuff gets you going instead, <laughs> and then it actually becomes easier as that becomes more a part of your job. Uh, maybe similar to musicians. I think a lot of new musicians, you know. The crowd is a problem when you're yeah. just starting out, mm. and then after that, the crowd gets you high, and then that gets you going. Yeah, so th th there's kind of a, a threshold, and at the start, before you hit that point where your job gets you going, if you're a writer, this is the point at which you wait for inspiration before you write, right? Season writers, the writing creates the inspiration. Mm. We force ourselves to do it, then we feel inspired to do it. Mm. But before you get to that point, it's very steep, and you're gonna feel like you want to give up every day, mm. and I always say to new writers that that's good because if you feel exhausted at the end of the day, if you feel like you can't take it anymore, if you feel like you cannot feel your face and your brain is dribbling out your ear, then good ah, that's how you should feel. That's called work. That's how the rest of us feel. That means you're doing it the right way. If you feel happy and fresh at the end of the day, you're not working. Something's wrong. You're not doing something right, right? Uh, which is not to say that your work cannot be enjoyable. I'm just saying that uh, you need to push through until it gets to the point where, even though you feel tired, you're still energized by the fact that you know your work feels beneficial and productive and useful. Mm. So, having that inspiration and that creative spark aside, right? A lot of the content that uh, you guys create nowadays is it is being uh, molded by you know how many views you get, how many re how much readership you get. Does that affect the types of jobs that you get? Does it affect the career path in general? Um, I think like if I were to say it from like a music point of view, mm. like an arts point of view, some people call it selling out. Mm -hmm. You know, try to pander towards uh, what people want. Mm. You know, you can't you know be crazy and do something that nobody's gonna care for. Mm. Uh, but you need to understand that's how business works. You know. Sometimes freelancers, they get into it because of passion <laughs> and they forget that somebody has to pay for your work, yeah. you know? And even though it sounds like a bad thing, selling out, it's just making sure that you provide value for the people you work for, you know, if it's, even if it's for yourself. Um, it's because you do get views, you do get 
shares or you do get um, you know engagement or whatever that's showing that you you are doing a good work you do, you're doing a good job and it's the only way to actually like really make money if you can't be naive about it you can't be like no I need to stick to my craft I need uh, somebody will like this one day yes it's great you want to hold on to that sure but you still need to understand that money makes the world go round in some sense there, there is uh, one other precaution that I would mention here if you ever get to the point where you feel that you're not as good as you used as you used to be, mm. uh, which will happen to everyone at some point. Um, that can actually be a sellout effect, because mm. if you are writing, and you find that you're not getting a response, maybe it's because in the past when you were writing, you were doing it out of a genuine desire to connect with someone and have a good conversation with someone, you really were going out of your way to entertain someone. But now, you're obsessing over, oh, what, what are my SEO keywords? How many views am I getting? How many? Mm. And when you get too stuck in that mode, that can take you away from where the quality of your work originally came from. Mm. Because now you're coming from a different place and people will sense that in the work that you produce. Doesn't matter what you're doing, dancer, writer, photographer, if you really have gotten to the point where you are truly only doing it for money, people will sense it and they'll, they'll pick it up in your work. Yeah. So some, some degree of moderation as well. If you find that suddenly things are going downhill, then maybe you also need to take a step back and think, well, I need to maintain that quality as well, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think a lot of freelance work comes out from passion. Mm. So you, you do need to, you know, like balance the, the value part of it, but yeah. still, you got to still be passionate. Mm. You know, once you do feel it like a chore, mm. then it's going to suck. You, you, when you feel like crap, your work's going to be crap also. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges or, you, you know, mistake you kind of face during your entire career? Like, was there any one point of time you felt that, oh, I made a super wrong decision, be it taking up a wrong client or not taking that client up or, mm. um, I don't know, in some other financial decision, I shouldn't have bought that car. Any any mistakes that you can share with us? <clears throat> so there was a point where I thought it would be a great idea. I, I saved up quite a bit. Uh, I've been quite diligent. I thought it would be a great idea to take my money and pay off all my loans because, you know, what a relief, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I took all my money, paid off all my loans. Problems came along and I had no money. Yeah. And then uh, that's when I realized that, uh, you know, when I'm standing in line at a coffee shop, I can't tell the uncle there, I don't have any money, but I'm debt free, you know. It's <laughs> not going to the food. So the fact that, you know, uh, the, 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 the one thing that I want to point out to you here is if you decide to rush certain repayments in your life, let's say you decide to have a fully paid up house by the time you are 40 years old. Congratulations, okay? you emptied every last dollar you got into that. What happens when an emergency comes along? What, what does your fully paid up house mean? What does your fully paid up car mean? If you have no money and you're having a medical crisis or something like that, right? So uh, even though there is this oversimplified bit of financial advice that goes around. People tell you, just pay off your loans quickly, pay off your loans quickly. Uh, don't. Pay off your loans intelligently. Don't wipe yourself out paying the loan and then you have no money and then later, guess what? You, you, you take loans again and the whole thing just gets started all <laughs> sometimes over Sometimes at higher interest also. Yes, sometimes at higher interest. Mm. Coming from a mortgage guy, you got <laughs> to hear this, man. I think for me, 
I've uh, mistakes that I've made. I think I've I've been quite lucky to not make huge mistakes, small mistakes here and there. Um, but I mean, I think that I feel that a lot of the the things I could have avoided will be to please other people. Mm. You know, um, sometimes we want to show off that you're doing well. You know, mm. I think that that ego sometimes comes to you as well because you know you put so much effort. Yeah. You're like. Hey guys, you know I don't have to work nine to five, and like you know this is this. So sometimes you want to show off, and I think that it's it's just a night. Maybe it's just a few weeks. You feel good, but then nobody really cares after that. So I think that um, just make sure that you're happy. You know, you don't have to really show off that uh, you're doing well for yourself. You don't have to, you know, go out of your way to please other people. I think those are things I could have avoided. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of the um, freelancing landscape, right? Do you actually think that there will be more freelancers? You know, how, how do you think the landscape has actually evolved in Singapore? I don't know if there will be more freelancers. I do think there will be more voluntary freelancers. There will be more people who freelance because they choose to be mm. freelancers rather than you know just something to tide them over until the the full time job. Mm. I think that it. Most, I mean, okay. Like, if we really look at what just recently happened, you know, gig economy suddenly become like a buzzword. Um, maybe only in the recent like three to four years, yeah. right? I think that instead of looking at you know what's going to happen in terms of freelancers, I'm going to say that a lot of traditional, the traditional ways of doing things, will not be as um, how do you put it uh, appealing anymore. Mm. You know, I think that when people see that you can have more control more freedom, that's something that you want, mm. right? I think traditional 9 to 5 would be a lot more flexible in the future. Mm. They may even look like freelance, mm. but that's just how maybe the industry would have, have would like need to change to, be, to, to serve that, um, you know, want of, of people. Mm. Nobody might want to stick with the traditional. So <laughs> we will see, you know, jobs not going away, but changing very differently over the next decade or so. Especially with the technology catching up yeah. with mm. all yeah. of it. Yeah, talking about this, right, because right now a lot of the buzzwords, especially in Singapore, innovation, mm. transformation, right, industry 4.0. So to a freelancer, do you think it means anything? Are you guys familiar with the... Oh, yeah. I, I don't even know what 3.0 was. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were talking about 2.0. Right? Did, did we go past 3? Yeah. We, no, we, we, yeah, we skipped 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Microsoft yeah, yeah, 8. There's no yeah. 9. Straight to 10. Disruption. I think that is something that, that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. I think as freelancers, we should not care mm. about that. Mm. Um, it's, the, it's the top business guys that mm. have to care about that. Mm. I think it's just making sure that you do good work, mm. that you provide value, mm. that you're still passionate in what you're doing. The business landscape will actually have to shift and you would ride the wave, you know. Mm. There's there's no way to say, no, I don't want to do this or yes, I want to chase that. Mm. I think as individuals, we may not really have that uh, push to kind of like change the industry as a whole, you know. I, I do agree. On some level, asking us whether we care is like asking the boat its opinion on the next wave. Uh. <laughs> it's got to have it. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, mm. It does help to be a little bit aware of it, just so that when you decide how you're going to upskill, uh, that can help a little bit. Mm. But that being said, what takes precedence in choosing how to upskill should be, you know, your jobs and what, what roles you need to fulfill. Don't go against that because you read in a magazine article somewhere that uh, 
oh, accounting is going to be the next big thing. <laughs> you never know. That, that might be wrong, right? So upskill uh, based on your job needs. If mm. you want to upskill and you, you don't know where else to expand to, then maybe you can take a hint from these sorts of reports and mm. you can try and check that out. Okay, but thank you both so much for thank coming thank down yeah. and speaking to us and sharing all your knowledge um, and your experiences with, with us as, and with our audience. And thank you all of you, your audience, for joining us for another episode of Freelance Creative Exchange. If you enjoyed the episode, please um, click on the like button and follow us or leave a comment below. Or subscribe by hitting the bell button so you won't miss out next interview so until then we'll see you have an awesome week bye bye, bye.